Hey, if you're our guest, this is called Bible Explorers. They actually open their Bibles. Even if they can't read, we encourage them to practice doing that. Find their books of the Bible. They hear God's message from people that are consistently in there, right, that, that are sharing their life, that are serving in that way, so they can walk away with some Bible truths. But we also trust that if you want to keep your kid in this service, we're glad for them to be here. They can make noise. They can fidget. You can pass them around. It's not going to bother me a bit. We're glad that they're here, and uh, we hope that this message would be just as profitable for them, whether they're here or there. That is your choice. But if you take them back there, please introduce yourself to us. We can know who you are. Make sure that we have your child's information, correct name, and you know where to pick them up. All right. We're in John chapter 1. Thank you, Kim, for reading God's word. Okay. I'll, I'll stay right here if you need me to. Is that good? All right. You want me to turn this off? Nate, you're doing a great job. Everybody appreciate Nate? Yeah. New guy, serving the church, jumped up in the sound booth. Thanks, man. Well, if you wanted to get to know Nate, <laughs> have you ever tried to relate to someone who just doesn't talk to you? You know, like maybe your neighbor you know those neighbors that are just down the road that, yes, you see them, but they just kind of keep to themselves. You, you see them and you can observe some facts about them, but you really know nothing about them. How do you get to know somebody like that? Through words. Words are the building blocks of relationships. Words are are the bridges from person to person. Words are the way that we know, and words are the way that we are known. Words are the way that you express yourself to me, and words are the way that I express myself to you. So can you actually have a relationship with anyone who never reveals anything about themselves through words? Now, it's not just your neighbors that you might feel that way about. If we're honest, some of us might feel that way about God. How can I relate to him if he has never revealed himself to me? Maybe you hope to find him in a church. But searching for God in a church can feel a lot like going on a blind date. Now, I've never been on a blind date before, so if you have, please correct me after the service if I'm wrong, but this is what I think is really important about going on a blind date. Let, let's see if I get this right. I'm pretty sure one of the things that you really want to get right before you go on a blind date is you want to share enough information about yourself that you will be able to recognize each other. Now, I'm fairly confident that God knows who you are. But what is he like? There's a lot of confusion in our world today about what is God like. The God of the Roman Catholics is certainly different than the God of Islam, which is certainly different than the God of the Jews, which is completely entirely different than the God of the New Englanders who want to meet him in their enlightened state out in nature. And who is to say what God is like if God doesn't say himself? 
Any idea about God would be pure speculation without a personal, divine self-revelation. Any idea about God would be pure speculation without a personal, divine self-revelation. Here is the sermon in a sentence. To be in a relationship with God, we need God to reveal himself to us. God's word reveals God so you can relate to God. God's word reveals God so that you can relate to God. His word is the perfect expression of who he is. So to know God, you would have to listen to his perfect self-expression. So the question this morning is, are you listening? If you're listening, I think you would ask three questions of the passage that we heard read to us. Can I trust this word? Why should I listen to this word? And can I relate to this word? First, can I trust this word? Can I trust this word? To avoid speculation about God, we need a direct revelation from God. A word from God for the world to know God. And we need a word that is reliable. So look at where John begins. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word. It mirrors the way the Old Testament began. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John places the word where we expect God to be. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the word. You can trust this word to express God because the word existed with that God from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. When the creation was made, the word already was. So if the word was already there in the beginning, then the word would either need to be with God or the word would need to be God. John teaches both. His second proof that this word is reliable for you to relate to God is that this word, look at verse 1, the word was with God. This word is a reliable word as a self-expression of God and that you can now relate to God by listening to this word because this word is a companion of God himself. You should listen to the word Because the Word is an eternal companion of God. Who better to make God known than an eternal Word that has existed alongside of God? Well, the only way this could be more reliable is if this Word was God. And so that there is no speculation, John is straightforward. Look at the last part of verse 1. And the Word was God. This word 
reveals God to us because this word is God. All speculation is over. God has revealed himself personally. God's word reveals God so that you can relate to him. Consider the implications of that this morning. It has far-reaching implications for matters religious. You know, we live in a culture that says all religions are expressions of the same thing. You know, you might call God by different names, but it's the same God. And you can understand why people would say that. All religion is pure speculation without a divine revelation. I mean, who's to say, right? If I haven't actually met, then how can I really know? It's like your friends that are having their first baby. Lord willing, we hope to see a sonogram of Adam and Nicole. And like all first-time parents, they're going to show us this picture that's shadowy, right? And you're going to wonder, by looking at that shadowy picture, is this baby that's coming going to be charming, intelligent, and beautiful like its mother? Or is this child going to be stubborn, opinionated, and cantankerous like their grandmother? (laughs) And it's all pure speculation until there is a personal, direct revelation with the baby. In the sphere of unborn babies, that's pretty insignificant. But in the sphere of God, it really, really matters. If the word of God is his direct self-revelation, then all speculation is over. Friends, we are no longer dealing with man-made religion, but God-given revelation. If you want to know God, listen to the Word. The Word is a direct revelation from God. It's a self-expression, and it's reliable for you because it's, it's actually him speaking so that you can relate to him through his word. Okay. Point one. Can I trust it? Perhaps you want to consider that you should trust it. But here's a bigger question for you. Should I listen to this word? Why should I listen to the word? To know God You must listen to the word because the word created you. Look at John 1.3. If you're new to using the Bible, the large numbers of the chapter, small numbers are the verses. We'll look at verses 2 and 3. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This divine word does an incredible divine work. You could put it another way. The eternal word that was always there with God is also an effective word. He can bring life. This word has the power to create life. 
And John loves to have a way of saying this that is both positive and negative so that you can know this word. Positive and negatives are important. Here's a side tangent just for a second. If I was to say, hey, meet me at the clock in Concord, not the one at Eagle Square. Right? Is that, is that right? Okay. Sorry, it's like, I think there's a clock in Concord. It used, to, it used to be there. I haven't been here for three months, but I think there's a clock there, right? And so it's important to say which one and how you identify which one. Sometimes you say it positively and you also say, and it's not this one. So John likes to say positive and negative. He's going to do that throughout his whole book. So get used to both the positive and the negative. Here's the positive. Verse 3, all things were made through him. Everything was made by this word. He made it all. Creation came through the word. That should also make you have this echo of Genesis 1 in your mind. And God said, that's a word, let there be light. And there was light. And God said is the continual rhythm and refrain that we hear over and over. It is a steady drumbeat in Genesis 1. And God said, word spoken. Now notice the negative. And without him was not anything made that was made. There is nothing that has been made that wasn't made by him. Nothing that came into existence did so outside of the word. Anywhere you go in the universe, he created it. So this word is the author of creation. This word is the author of life. And as the author, he has authority. Do you hear the word author in the word authority? When he speaks, as this effective word, he speaks with authority. When he speaks, it carries weight. You see this play out in school all the time. Let's remember the good old days when you signed up for Mrs. Steinhauser's Chronicles of Narnia class. Weren't those great days? And you do the homework assignment, you complete your reading, you go to class, and Mrs. Seinhauser asks the best question always. What does this literary work mean? And what ensues is a lively discussion, a debate of the meaning of the text. Everyone has a perspective about what it means. Everyone speculates about the intention of the author. Unless it was possible for C.S. Lewis to walk in, unroll his original manuscript, and say, this is my work. I wrote this. This is what it means. End of discussion. Why? The author has sole authority. To know the author's intent, listen to the author. Because it is the author that determines the meaning of life, the meaning of his work. Now, in the grand scheme of things, determining the authorial intent of the Chronicles of Narnia is not that big of a deal. It's small potatoes. Determining the authorial intent of the Constitution, 
Ooh, larger deal. As long as you remain in America. Not that big of a deal for our Tanzanian friends. But even a larger deal is who will you listen to to determine the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? And who gets to decide? Who are you going to believe? Perhaps you should consider the author of life. For all things were created by him, and not anything that was made was made without him. Now, some of you did not connect with my authorial intent of the Lewis discussion group. You're like, I don't like to read, and I would never attend that class. And it was not the good old days. It was really hard for me to get through that book. Let me see if I can change it up for you. Young people, consider walking into the family den and seeing that your younger sibling has stolen, I mean borrowed, your latest Christmas present. What are they doing with that in their hands? And there he is with your present, a graphing calculator. Yes, I know, it's a unique present, but go with me. And he is sitting there on the couch with your brand new graphing calculator, and he is not doing math problems. No, what he is doing is that he is pointing it at the TV, hoping that it will change the channel. Because it is in the shape of a remote. It has buttons like a remote. But it is not changing the channels because it is not a TV remote. It is a math graphing calculator. So what do you do? You sit down beside him and you gloat that you get to watch your show in peace and he can do nothing about it. No, no, that's, that's not what you do. You do not put this on Instagram. No, that's not what you do either. What do you do? You walk up to him and say, hey man, what you doing? I'm trying to change the channels. Well, well, let me explain why this device is not changing the channels. You don't know the purpose of this machine. It wasn't designed to change the channel. It was designed to solve math problems. Now let's get real. How are you going to decide how to use your body? Are you going to be one of those people who says, no one has the right to tell me what I can do with my body? You realize what you've just done? You've made yourself the author of your body. Did you make yourself? If you didn't, your perspective could be as equally off as trying to change the TV channel with a graphing calculator. But all speculation is over what to do with your body in this life if the author of your body walks in and says, I am life. In him was life. I am life. I created life. I built the body. I invented sex. Here's how to use it. And it is that way for anything in this life because he created all things and without him, nothing was made. To determine the meaning of life, my friends, would you consider listening to the author of life? We have a divine word that is reliable for you to know God. Listen, listen to that eternal word. 
We have an authoritative word that is required for you to know God. Listen, listen to this effective word. God's word reveals God so you can relate to him. You say, I want to relate to him. How do I relate to a word? I've never related to a word before, but I have had a relationship with a speaker. Not not a boombox speaker, but like the person that's speaking. Just kind of caught that in my head there. So yeah, don't want to lose you on my words. How do I have a relationship with a word? Even if this word is the self-expression of God, and it's revealing who God is, can I relate to a word? You're right, you can't. We need not only God to declare himself, we need God to descend down to us. And in verse 14, John states that the eternal word has entered this earthly world for us to know him. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God punched a hole in the roof of this world and climbed in. The creator entered his creation for the word became flesh. Did you know that John never uses this title, the word again in his gospel? Because in Jesus Christ, we have gone from only being able to hear God to now being able to see God. And so he never calls Jesus the word again because the word is made flesh. Look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. John's making that incredible claim that we considered last week, that this Jesus that he walked with this Jesus that he talked with, that this Jesus we're going to read about in the next 21 chapters, that this Jesus is that God. Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. And as the word becomes flesh, God is expressing himself to the world. You want to get to know God? Well, You're going to get to need to know Jesus. Jesus is God revealed so that you can relate to God through Jesus. That has huge implications for us this morning. Jesus is God's self-disclosure. God has declared himself personally in Jesus. Now there is no need for uncertainty. No more speculation about what God is like. When Jesus speaks... God speaks. When Jesus acts, God acts. John is making the incredible claim that the words and works of Jesus are the very words and works of God himself. Played out in 3D. Live in our world. God has made himself known so that you could know him through Jesus. But people say, well, that's interesting, Josh. You know, 
You're entitled to your idea about God, and I'm entitled to my idea about God. But do you remember our neighbor from the opening illustration? Let's go back to him. That guy down the road that you've only been able to observe and you've never heard him speak to you, well, finally he breaks his silence and he says, Hey, neighbor, how you doing? I want to introduce myself. I'm Barry, and I love vacations at the lake. I have a wife and three kids and a dog, and I'm lactose intolerant. (laughs) And you say, nice to meet you, Bruce. (laughs) But you know, who you've revealed yourself to be doesn't really fit into my preconceived ideas of watching you for the past three years. Here, have a milkshake. (laughs) That would be downright rude, wouldn't it? If Barry has the right to introduce himself to you and to reveal himself as he is, how much more does God have the right to introduce himself to you as he really is? God, right, has declared himself. The truth is out there, and the darkness has not covered it up. Look at verse 5. This light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. God has deliberately declared himself openly, scattering the darkness. You know, it might be hard to know God before, but not now. There is no need for uncertainty. It is a public declaration for all. God has made it absolutely certain. No more speculation when you have a divine self-revelation. You can know God for certain if you know Jesus Christ, the Word of God. Now, in closing, I really hope that that helps you relate to God as he's revealed himself in Jesus. But secondarily, I hope this message actually helps you relate to Christians. Christians were a weird group. And if you're here as our guest and you're an interested observer, I think this message will actually help you understand why Christians, those that take the Bible very seriously, have a little bit of confidence about them. Have you noticed that in Christians? They're very confident when they share God's word. I don't think that confidence is lost on our world. I did a little search this week, looking up in the newspapers, how does the secular press describe Christians? Most of the terms are pretty pejorative. Let me read them to you. Certain, confident, arrogant, fundamental, bigoted. I am sure I have said things and done things that deserve those adjectives. And if you have seen that in me, it is not because that represents my Christianity. That's because Josh Owens, apart from Christ, is still a jerk. But if you're here as a non-Christian, I hope I can explain why we have confidence and why we might sound confident, especially on matters of God's word. Try this on. If God has declared himself personally, why it would be quite arrogant not to listen. 
It would be quite arrogant to not say, I now know something about God. Actually, it is a mark of humility to listen to God as he has declared himself to be. And therefore, we are confident. Because we are just saying, this is not me. We have not made this up. This is what God is like because we, we believe that this is what he expressed himself to be. And so we have to just be humble to listen to it, even if he contradicts us. Some of you might want to say, I like to think of God as being nice and not judgmental. I want to think of God as being love and not full of anger. But you know what you've just done? Do you remember the movie, The Stepford Wives? There was a group of men that didn't want to have a wife that could contradict them. And so they turned their wives into robots. And they just did whatever they were told. But my friends, you can have a robot that does whatever it is told but you will not have a relationship with your wife. And part of what it means to be a Christian is that we don't have a God of our own speculation that fits into our preconceived box of what he is and is not supposed to do. We want to have a relationship with the real God that has revealed himself. And if he is God and the author of life and he has authority as the word to declare himself, then we have to have the humility to say, you get to say who you are. And we have the humility to say, we have to just listen to what that is. But then we get a relationship with the real God and not a robot. And it is grounded in the truth of who the real God is. Would you pray with me? Lord, we realize that you might be a person who is different than we would like you to be. You might call us to do things that we don't want to do. You might show us things that we don't want to see about ourselves. You might tell us to believe things that we don't want to believe. Lord, unless we are open to that, unless we are open to you being a God that is real, that can contradict us, we will never have a personal relationship with you. God, we want a relationship with the real God, not the God of our speculation. So we pray for humility to listen to you as you've revealed yourself to be and that we would be obedient to your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together once more if you're able. And we have a beautiful name to sing about the Word.
heard the word at the beginning one with god the lord most high your hidden glory in creation now revealed in What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus didn't want heaven without us so jesus you brought heaven down my sin was great your love was greater what could separate us now what a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Death could not hold you. Fail tore before you, you silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever. kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names what a powerful name it is what a powerful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a powerful name it is nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name
Would you receive the benediction and have this word wash over you? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We love you, faith family. You are dismissed. If you have any questions about the sermon or love to comment on it, be over here, meet you at the door. Love to introduce myself if you're our guest and get to know you. God bless.